live streaming is on. Hello, everyone. All right. This is Adam Meister, the Bitcoin Meister, the Disrupt Meister. Welcome to This Week in Bitcoin. Today it is, oh yeah, we're there, baby. We're in the 2020s now, January the 3rd, 2020. Strong hand, golden age of the 2020s. Oh, everyone's going to talk about it today. Bitcoin is next Bitcoin in motion. These three guys are definitely in motion. Uh, one Bitcoin equals one Bitcoin. Value your wealth in Bitcoin. I am offended by selling your Bitcoin. All right, dudes. We got we got quite a panel here today. It is Ansel Lindner, Steve Barber, and Blake Anderson are in the house. Hey, I'm getting a little weird feedback. You guys, everything sound good on your end? All right, good. Yeah. Okay, so today, 11 years ago, Bitcoin, yeah, you know it, it started. So we're going to talk about that 11-year anniversary. These three guys are linked to below, but it's also proof of keys. The day everyone was supposed to remove their Bitcoin from exchanges. So we're going to talk about that. I'm going to I'm going to start with Blake because he hasn't been on a YouTube show for a long time and I'm really happy to have him and everything. And you guys are pumped too. So pound the freaking like button for Blake Anderson. But uh Blake, uh this, this, what's happened today? I hope a lot of people pulled it off. Uh do you think any exchanges will go down? And what do you think about the larger picture? We're going to have Bitcoin banks, okay people. They're going to have to have proof of reserves eventually. Uh what are your thoughts? Well, that's a good. I mean, you you started out with saying one Bitcoin is one Bitcoin, and that's fantastic. Yeah, that's that that's good. But a bird in the hand and two in the bush. I mean, there's there's some different mathematics going on here. And if your keys are with somebody else, if you really want your Bitcoin to be one Bitcoin, you want to own that Bitcoin. If it's you know not your keys, not your Bitcoin. So I think that that's interesting. Some people said it's not good to do this because pulling all the coins off of exchanges is, is going to destabilize them, and, this, and that's bad. But I don't think that the ideological core of savers that are doing this are going to have that big of an impact that they're really going to you know upset the exchanges. But I think that it's a great thing to have people you know not store a horse ton of value in somebody else's possession you know learn to uh multi-sig learn to take your your sigs learn to uh back up and transfer and use bitcoin so that you know how to use it instead of interacting with a company that's using it yeah uh, these are obvious things for us us, us hardcore vets but uh we're gonna get a lot of newbies into this space in this decade or the 20s whatever you want to call this uh do you foresee bitcoin banks getting bigger and bigger and finally one of them actually doing a proof of reserves just show it because it, it's so easy to do with this blockchain and everything like that why, why can't why can't they do this yeah i mean i think that we're going to have a bitcoin roaring 20s i mean this is the, the start of the, the the 20s here and there's going to be roaring 20s that's going to be fueled by um value competition that works at an elemental level like i tell I, I tell people like you can buy candy you can buy uh you know, bigger things than candy. Like there's there's a whole list of things that you can buy that get more and more and more expensive up to real estate and stocks and bonds. And when you get to the very, very top, there's currency. And people are like, where, like what company does Bitcoin compete with? And it's like, they're not that far down on the ladder. They're all the way at the top, elementally competing with other forms of scarcity. Not just other currencies, other forms of scarcity, math-based versus fiat. And I think that that, like understanding how fundamental that is, lets people understand, okay, we probably will see a new roaring 20s. And where it's going to come from is going to be the accountability that 
that comes with these new uh, uh, technologies that we've invented. And so, yeah, I think that banking will definitely have uh, a relationship with these technologies in the future. And I hope that we have the type of banking that is transparent, that serves individualism and doesn't serve collectivism where it's, you know, give up your rights and we'll make it faster. I hope that we never see that type of attitude take over pervasively in Bitcoin because that would be really bad. Well, speaking of digital scarcity, we will uh, we will be talking about the uh, having, no doubt. Also, since we'll be talking about the 2020s and this year, because we, we've entered a having year here. Steve, uh, did you remove your uh, your Bitcoin from all exchanges? <laughs> uh, what, what, what's, your, what's your take on uh, proof of keys, if, if anything? I haven't uh, I haven't used an exchange since Quadriga, and um, luckily I didn't learn a lesson there because I never did hold my coins on that exchange. Um, well, you know, I don't, I guess I'm lucky in the sense that I don't have to use exchanges to buy, to get Bitcoin. I can just mine it. So from a personal standpoint, I, I'm lucky in that regard and I haven't had to hold them on exchanges. Um, and obviously the Quadriga story ended very badly. I was actually recommending Quadriga to people cause I used it a few, a few times. It was actually a decent service uh, for Canadians. Um, I was recommending it to people up until, you know, things got a little shady. And I remember I was in a Telegram group and someone was messaging, I think it was a Bitcoin Canada group or something. And there's some messages going back and forth. And I got a little, uh, it, it made me nervous. So I messaged all my friends that I had, you know, talked about Bitcoin in the past and said, hey, like, get your, if you have stuff on Quadriga, and I knew some of them did, get your coins off there. And sure enough, uh, one of my good buddies, he had like a half a Bitcoin or something on there. He got it out just before they started like freezing accounts. So that was sort of lucky that I happened to be sort of paying attention that he got his coins. Um, but then actually I found out later, uh, another friend on, a, on my ball team, uh, he had left his coins on Quadriga. So now, he, of course, he's one of the uh, one of the guys and I guess there's might be a class action suit going on now. But I mean, obviously, Quadriga is a good example of, you know, not your keys, not your coins. Um, and, and, and as for the whole theme of, you know, like custodial, uh, you know, custodial wallets and Bitcoin banks, uh, I think for sure you're going to just see more and more of that. Like, um, obviously, you know, Bitcoin doesn't exactly scale for not everything can be on chain. Like, obviously, that's why we got the trustless or trust minimized layer two, like lightning. But custodial works just fine as well as long as you know, as long as the reserves are there and they're not they're not being fraudulent. So, all right, but Blake, you were raising your hand. You wanted to add something there before uh, Ansel jumps in. What, what did you yeah, have to say? It's really tough with these exchanges and stuff because I had a very very similar situation where way back in the day, whenever I would talk about Bitcoin, if I talked about the price, I would have the Mount Gox ticker and showing the. <laughs> The graph on it and i used the they, they were the biggest exchange that was the best place to tell what the bitcoin price was and then after M mount gox went down i was like i hope that nobody that saw me posting those lost any money and they didn't until a few years later my friend jeff zenner told me i lost a lot of money on mount gox and basically the reason that i trusted them was because you used their charts and i was like oh that doesn't feel good so like now i try to be very 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 careful in terms of like you know not your keys, not your money. And it, it sounds a little bit like hyperbole and stuff, but you know, it only takes one friend that you really like to, to, to tell you something like that, where you feel like, Oh, darn it. 
you know, so, someone in the chat just said, uh, and dudes in the chat, you can ask questions, type in Bitcoin Meister, do a super chat. And you, I'm glad this guy said this funny thing. Quadriga dude is in Epstein's grave. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 controversial like that. It's it's you never know where, where the Quadriga dude might be walking around. Actually, hey, okay, let's go to Ansel on all this. He's held off. He's got some stuff to say here. Well, I I love the proof of keys. I think it's a a great cultural thing to you know perpetuate and keep going and get stronger uh, as Bitcoin grows. It's going to be very important to have some of these really solid um, cultural norms out there. And this is a great one to, uh, you know, support and, and talk about every single year. And so I, I like this. I like how there's multiple different holidays and stuff in Bitcoin and it keeps the culture strong. Yeah. You know what, though? I, I, Blake has been doing a great job spreading the word about this. I wanted it to be bigger than this this year because we had it last year. It kind of feels like last year again. Um, I thought it would be bigger. I wanted exchange to be brought down. I really want I for to learn. Well, the there's, there's not enough fear. There needs to be more fear for people that really, you know, for the people that aren't going to just go do it for the meme. Like they, they need to be, they need to be scared about their coins, right? So people are using CNN more. and Fox. They're telling you, afraid, afraid, afraid. We gotta, <laughs> we gotta take some notes out of their book to be able to get, you know, to rustle the jimmies of people because they've been doing it for so long. The jimmies are immune to rustling, so we gotta come up with some new plans here. Actually, well, there's less, less retail too. You know, the people that are left in the space right now, everybody that's on Bitcoin Twitter probably already has their keys. So, yeah, yeah, that's that's a that's a really good point. I mean, all of us screaming about this, we're like kind of in an echo chamber. Everybody already knows about it. We got to reach out to the somehow the other people have to learn. Uh, the people that have all their stuff on Coinbase, but they're not going to learn because Coinbase isn't going down this time around. Well, people ask, why, people ask, why do you proselytize these things? And it's like via numerous, like strength in numbers. Like the more people that do this, the more people that use Bitcoin correctly, create new uh, wallets for every transaction and stuff like that, the, be the better things are. So like strength in numbers, we encourage people to do this because it's selfishly better for us, but it's also better for you guys too. It's a good system where it's win-win here. It's not like we're getting anything out of it that we shouldn't. All right. Now, now people, they're they're Everyone's distracted by the breads and circuses. And that and they're not they're not they don't care what they they're not willing to learn about, you know, how to properly take care of the Bitcoin. They're too busy watching TV. But Ansel has a great tweet about this that I want him to elaborate on. Bread and circuses has turned into stocks and politics. What was that about, Ansel? <laughs> well, stocks, you know, they're they're kind of in a melt up phase and they're just pumped up by easy money and monetary policy and all that stuff. And, and that as long as stocks go up, the, the masses are happy and they're not going to riot in the streets. So that's kind of the circuses or the bread maybe. And then the circuses is the politics. And that's where, you know, they're, they're just two sides of the same coin yelling at each other across the aisle. And um, it's just, it's all fake. So I thought it fit pretty well. Yeah, and I wanted to bring that up because a lot of people think this 2020 year is all about some election and, and uh, Elizabeth Warren and Buttigieg and, and that you guys even know and you guys care so – not you guys, but the people watching care so much about these people. Dude, you got to take care of yourself because they're not – they're taking care of themselves. <laughs> you, they're not going to take care of you. This is the Bitcoin halving year. It is not the – election year put get into that <laughs> mindset now so don't don't worry about what buddha jags is doing or whatever his dark name is. worry about where your bitcoin is it, that, that it, it's not on some exchange here but, but most people are going to fall for for the circuses it's 
everybody likes a soap opera and uh, good. I just, I wanted to share that. I wanted to put that tweet out there uh, just to tie in a little bit of a, a current event. Now, it's, it's a very interesting though. It's almost like a weaponized concept of bread and circus way back in the day. It's like people weren't that smart, but now it's like the age of information. We have to have a bread and circus that looks like you're high, like peeking behind the perk blah, peeking behind the curtain, but you're really not easy for me to say, right? No, I mean that. First of all, social media, Twitter gives people that uh, feeling like they're they're real smart, and that you know, in the old days, you couldn't argue with uh, a million people about uh, Bernie Sanders or whatever. Now you can. You could think you're a genius, and you're making up a and you're the, the time that people waste. And at the end of the day, the people who are, speaking of Bernie Sanders supporters, they're they're the ones. In the end of the day, are like, well, it's unfair that you're rich. It's unfair that I wasn't worrying about some eighty year old dude and I was buying Bitcoin. No, that that's. <laughs> That's <laughs> harsh, but true. All right, C Canadian uh, Steve, do you have any thoughts on this? I, I just <laughs> let's get a Canadian perspective on what 2020 is to you. Uh yeah, the year of the having it'll be. I mean, I, I look at it from the minor minor perspective. Um, you know, my my revenue is going to be possibly you know cut almost in half. So that that's that's going to be an interesting. I mean, obviously, it's not going to be cut directly in half. There's going to be a lot of miners uh, having to shut down if the price doesn't pick up, obviously. Um, so I don't know. I find it really fascinating. Like, you know, the having is such a shock to the market. And it's going to really reveal a lot about sort of the state of the mining industry. Because um, you can sort of tell, like, like right now we know how much a hash is worth, right? Like there's only so many hashes done in a day and then and there's only so much Bitcoin produced in a day. So you, you can, you can see what a hash is worth. And so once the revenue gets cut in half and the hash is uh, each hash is basically worth almost half. It's going to be interesting to see who can stay online and at what you can sort of infer certain uh, electricity costs and that kind of thing. So I look at it, it's going to be pretty interesting because if, if, uh, if you do see a lot of hash power go offline with the halving, like assuming, you know, price doesn't change, um, it's going to tell a lot about, you know, what the market can sustain on, on power costs. So, I mean, I'm excited because it'll be, it might make me even more bullish because, you know, if, uh, if I see a lot of miners go offline and I'm able to stay online, for example, um, it's just the it, it makes me more comfortable, let's say, investing more capital in the mining, for example. So I'm very interested in the miners' perspective on this. Um, you, I was reading your feed, your Twitter feed, and all these guys are linked to below. Uh, and you were talking about it being priced in or not priced yeah. in. Uh, yeah. And you also changed your name to have Bear in your name instead of Barber, Bearber. Yeah. Uh, so are you bearish this year? I mean, what, what are your thoughts on it being priced in? And are you hoarding I, I, Bitcoin I, now? Or? I don't know when I changed my name to Bearber, um, but it is to reflect my sort of short-term bearish outlook on on the price and stuff like that. Um, I mean, I've, I've sort of, unlike, I guess, the way I differ from uh, what I just referred to as like the having pumpers is uh, I don't see, I don't see how it's uh, how it makes any sense that Bitcoin would pump every four years, like until, you know, the havings end in what is it? 2140 or whatever. But I don't see that as being a practical, even though we have seen like that, that correlation for the last two havings, for that to happen every four years in such a, like a perfectly predictable um, 
effectively it ends up being a perfectly predictable, like a risk free, anybody that knows is aware of the having is going to make free money, like for the every four years for the rest of the time or not the rest of the time until the having schedules end. And that doesn't really like, it just doesn't, it's not a rational outlook for me. So uh, the way I look at it is um, based on the data, I would say that, and based on what, the way I think about, you know, the economy, I, I expect that we'll see longer bull bull cycles and longer bear cycles. So you'll go through, you know, the last bear cycle was actually pretty long. It was, what was it like 2014 or 2013 to 2015 or 20, 2014 ish to entering 2016. So it was like almost a two year cycle. And I expect this cycle to be longer. So I'm thinking, you know, maybe three year cycle. And then the next bear market will be longer, like four year or five year. You know what I mean? So, but with that, with the longer, let's say bear cycles, I expect to see longer bull cycles and, and, and more, uh, more energetic bull cycles. So like, for example, you know, we've only just got into the industrialization of ASICs and mining. So, you know, I expect to see the bull run. I'm hoping it starts, you know, at least from my frame of reference, like the, because I'm also looking at it through the lens of a miner and we're definitely not in a mining bull market. So when we get into the mining bull market and, you know, things get, you know, the prices, you know, it's snowballing. Um, I, you know, I expect to see, I expect to see it last longer and a lot more energy will be brought online. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know if we'll get, you know, but we won't see the same, like, you know, 10 X is in the same short time span. It'll take longer for 10 X's. But um, part of that is because there's so much more capital required in building up the mining infrastructure that chases the price. Right. So, yeah, they're, they're, I'm, very, I'm very bullish. Uh, I'm, uh, but it, you know, it's, it's always perspective too. like in, in the short, in a short time frame, uh, I think we're still in a bit of a consolidation phase. I just don't think we've really, flip to something where I, I'm, I'm recommending, for example, for people to, you know, take on debt to buy Bitcoin. I'm not quite doing that yet. All right. You definitely are not a, a having pumper, but you, you have a you, you, very unique take on it. Unique take on it. I am a having hyper. I want people to to know about the having at least because I, I feel so few people in the space even comprehend what the heck it is. Uh, what what are your thoughts, uh, Ansel, on, on this uh, having question? Yeah, I'm, just that very last point he made there about uh, not taking on debt to buy Bitcoin. Um, what what do you think of that idea of taking on debt to finance mining so that you can ho hold your Bitcoin through the halving? Um, how does that your outlook affect that? Uh, I think generally taking on debt for even um, in general, like I say, taking on debt to either buy Bitcoin or mine is a good idea, just in general, like because in general, of course, Bitcoin goes up, right? Number go up. So in that case, taking on debt and leveraging debt to get more Bitcoin is always probably going to be a good idea. But that's like a but then, you know, in, in shorter time frames, maybe not like I'm actually looking right now. Um, like I, I have actually run this company pretty much debt free. Well, actually debt free for the last three years. Um, so I'm looking at um, different options for like actually financing because as my company's growing a bit, like I'm, I'm finding it's, it's easier and easier to get more data centers to pull it. And now it's more, whereas before I might've been struggling, like let's say in my case to find fuel um, now that I've, I've been finding lots of fuel and at, at rates that I'm, I'm willing to agree to, 
you know, work with these guys on um, getting capital and, and through debt, I think is the right way to go. So um, I'm, I'm definitely, you know, I would, I'm willing to take on all kinds of debt to, uh, to, you know, to, cause you know, mining, mining is, is a bit of a long-term investment. And uh, if Wait, anything, so, so you're using fuel energy instead of price per kilowatt hour to try to, 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 to decimate the, the cost. Uh, well, when I just say fuel, I mean, cause I only do natural gas mining um, with my company. So when I, when I mean, I mean like, you know, cause I'm a, my company is a service provider. So I have to like, I only work with oil companies that, you know, want to work with me. Like I don't go out and pay an oil company for fuel because anyone would accept that if I pay the right amount. Right. I don't, I don't do that. I look for companies that are stressed and they have a need for me to be on their site. And ideally I'm not paying anything for fuel. That's actually what I'm trying to do. But, um, and I have several data centers uh, operating that way. Um, so, so they would have fuel and you would say, eventually we can build up your liquidity if you give that fuel to me for cheap instead of just letting it sit and separate. Well, it's sort of like the oil, oil and gas producers don't fucking care about Bitcoin at all. Right. And all they want is someone to deal with their gas problem. So I've structured my business in such a way that I can try to be that, you know, business that will go in and deal with their gas problem in a, you know, um, more advantageously than let's say my competitor who might be a flare company, right? So now the problem with that is like, they don't care about Bitcoin. They don't want to spend their money on Bitcoin machines. So that means someone has to, and that has to either be me or, or someone a third party because we sell to third parties and operate for third parties too. So when it comes to, you know, if I get a big oil company, I have a few right now that are, um, that have been trialing our units and it's looking like we're going to do bigger contracts. So when those bigger contracts come through and they say, all right, Steve, like we'll commit to a hundred engines, for example, um, this year, I need to go finance that. Right. And I can't exactly, um, finance it myself. So that like debt is a critical part. I, I think it's really, I mean, any miner that everyone, every miner should be looking to take on, fiat debt because fiat is the whole point of mining is to convert your worthless fucking dollars into beautiful bitcoins and taking on debt to do that is the, is the, is the best way you can do it. Right. Like That's you don't the most bullish sentiment I have ever heard of anybody. Out, uh, <laughs> and I, I don't disagree with it, but I, but I, I, but I like it. But I mean like one, one thing that in, it, it's always case by case because everyone has a different need, but like, you know, I, I try to minimize liquidating my own Bitcoin, um, you know, my company's Bitcoin and my personal Bitcoin to mine, like to buy more ASICs and to mine more Bitcoin. Because the point of the point of uh, my admin just left the point of, uh, you know, you, it's hard to convert your Bitcoin, your liquid Bitcoin into an ASIC and then get more Bitcoin back. Right. That's extremely hard to do. Only only fucking manufacturers can really do that unless you have a really huge advantage on power costs and that kind of thing. So mining, I just look at mining as a way to convert your garbage dollars into into Bitcoin. And, and the best way to do that is to take on debt. I haven't mined for a long time. And as soon as you mentioned gas, I was like, I have to know what that relationship is. So thank you for those those answers. It's uh, it's very interesting what, what what's possible now versus what, what's gone on in the past. Yeah, dude. Steve is he's he's saving the world. He's uh reusing that natural. He's gonna talk. We're gonna he's gonna explain more about that. You know, give us an update at the end. Uh, exactly what's going on because it's such an interesting story, and I, I you know I've been aware of it now for over 
well, yeah, since the start of 2018, I don't even know when now, but I, I'd love that he comes on the show to talk about this. I got one last question though about miners and uh, taking out debt and all this stuff. Are they hoarding their Bitcoin now, uh, Steve, from, from what you know? Because they're, they're going to mine less afterwards. So if they, start, if they start hoarding it now, less Bitcoin is going to go on the market. Thus, the price would go up. And I think that's what happened in 2016. Do, do you hear about this? Are you hoarding it at all? My uh, my own like my own business strategy hasn't changed like and it hasn't changed certainly anticipating the having. Um, so obviously, you know, it's I've known it's been coming for quite a while. I mean, like my personal strategy on on I try to like as a company I try to hold as much Bitcoin as I can, and a lot actually most of my revenue is fiat because I sell data centers to oil companies and to third parties, and usually they're paying in fiat. So the Bitcoin that I am mining, I do try to actually just hold it. Um, and, you know, I'm not I'm wearing a lot of hats still at this company. And one hat I like I'm not interested in wearing is like speculative trading. So I'm not I'm not like out on the market putting my Bitcoin and trying to, you know, make more of it. The only thing I the only thing I do with our Bitcoin aside from hold it is um, certain times when I need to make a purchase, let's say a batch of ASICs or you know, pay a contract or whatever. Like if I feel like the market is overvaluing the coin, like for example, we had that micro pump up to like 14,000 recently. I sold somewhere in that top because I felt like, okay, this is a bit of a micro pump and I need a bit of cash. So I'll sell some Bitcoin, right? But that's really all the extent of what I do. And I, I don't know if I can really speak for other miners, but I, I do think like most miners are in the game to accumulate Bitcoins. Um, now, you know, when they're, when the revenue, assuming our revenue gets cut in half, our costs are going to be, you know, about the same. So the amount of Bitcoins that are getting liquidated to cover those costs are probably going to, you know, stay about the same. Um, so I don't know if, I don't know if we'll see more, um, exactly more liquidation or not. I'm not sure, but. All right. Now this, this having priced in thing. <laughs> meme, whatever you want to call it, has been going around Twitter. Another thing that has been going around Twitter, and I want to ask Ansel about this. This is actually a question from the chat. Remember, thanks, guys. You can do the super chat or type in Bitcoin Meister. This one dude, John uh, Virtuf, he says, please ask your panel what they think of Plan B stock to flow model. Ansel, you know, <laughs> this one has uh, been stretched out for a while. Some people worship it. What, what do you think about Plan B's stock to flow model? I think it's a bit of a self-fulfilling prophecy. Uh, so I do, I do agree with it uh, overall. And um, like he has on his plots, you know, where he connects maybe, I don't know, five different goods like silver, gold, uh, et cetera, et cetera, and Bitcoin. And it all kind of, he fits that line. Um, I think that's, there's something to that. Um, I don't know. I, I mean, he's a numbers guy, so he knows a lot more about the statistics and how he's doing all that uh, to figure it out. But I think there's definitely something to it. Yeah. All right. Uh, what do you think, Blake? Uh, I mean, I think it's good. A lot of Keynesians make the uh, argument. It's all about flow, 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 velocity of the money, get the sloshes and the sluices, get the money going. It's all about flow. But stock to flow and having the stock of, of you know what's actually being used here and how much is that stock going up or down, that's a huge part of this equation. So I think that it's way more advanced. And I think this actually, if you were to 
you know, graph out Bitcoin, the price going up or down, and you made a, a median ratio, you could actually tell where the miners are hoarding underneath that and where they're liquidating, trying to sell their Bitcoin for more than it'll go down to so that they can continually accumulate more and more and more Bitcoin. Yes, you can just hold in dollar cost average, and that's great. Most people do that. That's what I do. But if you're really aggressive to the point where you want to run a mine at a potential loss and take on debt, what you want to do is sell Bitcoin when it gets over the line with the sole explicit intent of using that fiat to buy more bitcoin when it goes below that line things like the stock to flow ratio model help people graph out where that line is where they want to buy and where they want to sell to absolutely turbocharge their bitcoin accumulation all right but i i want to i want to dig a little deeper into this because some people worship it like it's the golden calf okay like it's it's <laughs> well the golden calf wasn't holy but you know is, is this is it a hundred percent right? I mean, what, do you put it on a pedestal beyond anything? Because I think it's ridiculous the way some people worship it. I mean, that's. that's I think, that's I think it's thing. like a lens. You got a telephoto lens. You got a macro lens. You've got a whole bunch of different lenses to look at things through. And I think it's one of those lenses. If it's the only lens that you use, it's probably not the best. It, it, it's better to use more of them. As far as if you only get to use one lens, is it the best? I, I don't know. It seems like it's okay, but I don't know that I would go around promoting it as the incontrovertibly best lens to look at this situation through. I think that's a little too much. Yeah, but well, some people do. Uh, Steve, what what's your take on it? Well, I mean, I'm, I'm a bit of a critic of it. Um, okay. I like the thing about the stock to flow model, like I think all the data is accurate. Like there's no criticism there. Like there's definitely a correlation. Um, whether or not you can use it as a future, like as a, as a tool to predict, let's say the future um, uh, price of Bitcoin, um, I, I'm pretty skeptical on that. I mean, there's a, the, some of the criticisms I have with it are like, I mean, partly I just want to I want the promoters of the model to sort of give a better rational explanation, or at least try on why they think. For example, just one criticism, like why the stock to flow model in Bitcoin holds up. And in shit coins, it doesn't like, like, you know, Bitcoin cash or Bitcoin Satoshi's vision, which are direct forks. Um, I mean, why exactly? What is it about Bitcoin that is it just because Bitcoin's like the most useful coin that it that it, it makes sense and, and holds up in Bitcoin uh, because it has the big economy? Intrinsic so, value debate incoming. Yeah. And I mean, I think my major like the major thing I don't like about it is um, even in uh, in Plan B's like uh, paper, the, the original post that got really popular. Um, what does he say? He says uh, he has a section on it saying that scarcity drives value. And that to me doesn't really make any sense because Bitcoin isn't scarce because it has a, 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 you know, the stock to flow ratio path that it has. You know, and obviously, eventually, um, according to the stock to flow model because it only considers new coins as flow it once there's no more halvings and there's no more bitcoin issued it's it's it becomes undefined right so you know anyone can arbitrarily issue something with absolute you know one of a kind scarcity that's not what bring gives it value it's it's the people that for whatever reason the people have the need for that thing is what gives it value right whatever reason you find it useful is what gives bitcoin value so uh, I disagree with the whole premise that scarcity drives value. It's sort of like I've said, you know, online, it's sort of like saying, you know, the whole labor theory of value thing, like uh, people think there's people that think, you know, hard work means valuable work, which obviously isn't true. It's it's more subjective. 
digging a hole doesn't mean anyone wants the hole, right? So um, I don't know. There's some other little nitpicks I have about it, but um, overall, I just don't. I don't see any use. I don't see what what's the use of it other than being a fun meme. That's really all I do. <laughs> all right. Uh, before we move on from this topic, do, do you, Ansel or Blake, do you have anything else to say about it? All right. Good. So that's that. That that was a good question. We'll see how it works, dudes. It, it, it's we'll see if he gets his price right. I I, I hope it is right. I hope I, it goes I, right. I, I put a public bet out there of one Bitcoin that um, it would fail <laughs> under in a certain time in a certain time limit. So I put my skin in the game on that one. All right. Hey, by the way, speaking of games, uh, this is a little off topic. But last time you were on the show, Steve, uh, someone asked me afterwards or in the comments section. Do you play hockey? Or did no, you ever play hockey? No, why? Because I'm Canadian? <laughs> no, because you're big, you they said it looks like you, you beat you beat the heck out of some people in uh, hockey or something. You're a big dude. <laughs> looks like you were checking people all over the place, the guy thought. I thought, and then I started thinking about it because I met you in person. I'm like, yeah, man, that probably would hurt a lot if that dude like slammed into me playing hockey. Okay. Uh, I, play, I play baseball and basketball. So All right, baseball, man. That's great. Yeah, I can throw elbows around, but I can't uh, skate. It's just sort okay. of there you go, people who are wondering about the hockey playing and, and, and hitting into people. Okay, so yeah, we, we got all sorts of, you never know what's going to come up on this show. Um, well, let's talk about uh, something, speaking about hitting people or bombing people, uh, something happened yesterday. And here's a, here's a tweet that says, here's the thing, regardless of whether Bitcoin actually moved directly because of this recent news is irrelevant. The fact is it did, and gold moved with it, cementing that Bitcoin might be a safe haven asset. Now, cementing and might really don't go along. But, hey, is Bitcoin a safe haven asset? Now, there are people who are worried about World War III and blah, blah, blah. And, uh, yeah, sure enough, after uh, the United States uh, took out that terrorist dude yesterday, um, the price of Bitcoin went up like 400 bucks. So, is it now considered a safe haven asset after 11 years? Blake, what, what, what's your take on safe haven asset? Well, we, we have cemented the fact <laughs> that it might. <laughs> it might be, but that is, it's a cemented might be. It reminds me of, uh, uh, what is that, what's that movie where he's like, this cologne works 40% of the time? every time if that doesn't make any sense <laughs> but this is like did, did bitcoin go up or down because of this that's a really interesting question there's a whole lot of political questions about this about what happened about was this guy advocating for peace right before they killed him and was it a mistake and was it like a good thing and that's all very 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 much something that has a visceral impact on whether or not markets went up and down and what people all around the world think not just people exposed to u.s media so it's a really tough question i always have a really hard time pinning any one given event into this is exactly where this volume came from in these jurisdictions and this is how much the price changed it's very difficult for me to do that i've seen other people that are a little bit better than i am but i think it's just a plain a difficult thing i think that yes obviously the situation you're describing would have you know a boosting impact but as far as how much that's i'd say it's it's so hard to say because bitcoin has an inelastic supply and a global jurisdiction so, you know, it's the, the butterfly effect that can go from one area to another is really, really, really personified in Bitcoin. Because when that whip is, is cracking, there's no elasticity to it. Crack that whip. All right. Now, <laughs> pound that like button. In the past, uh, when people were worried that bad things were about to happen, they could buy gold. 
but now they can buy Bitcoin. So is it, 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 it that option wasn't there before? Someone tweeted, I retweeted something about that also. So is it a say? Do, do you foresee in this decade when when uh, bad things are happening? Maybe there people are fearing an economic crash that they are going to use Bitcoin as a safe haven asset. Have we moved to that realm now? Okay, okay, good. Uh, Ansel, what's your take? Well, I think, yeah, it definitely will be a safe haven. And it is for some people now, of course, but I don't think anything over a 24 hour period is going to affect um, people's available capital to buy Bitcoin. Um, I think it was just market makers that, um, you know, it was an excuse. It made yeah. pumping the easiest direction to get liquidations and to wreck people. And so that's what they did. Um, oh, we have to look at long term for you know, volumes to go up and all these things to, to see how much money uh, people are bringing in. I, again, I don't think 24 hours, anything, any sort of 24 hour news cycle uh, has very little to do with the price, in my opinion. As far as my personal experience, when the price started to move, I got a price down threshold and went and, and did a dollar cost average purchase. I, you know, I have a bias. I only know what I do, but I assume that a lot of other people did that as well. They, they might not have, but in terms of what I think made the price happen, I think that it's, it hit that down threshold and then bounced off of that number. But, you know, the geopolitics do come into it. It's way more than a zero impact. Uh, I think it was just a burnt trend, wasn't it? It wasn't just another, we had the little dip the other day and it bumped back up just like the Bart Simpson. Uh, and what do they call that? They call that um, institutional trading manipulation when those things come into the markets and do yeah, that. Yeah, of course. <laughs> uh, well, let's talk about. I don't believe in instant trade. It, it, someone's got a quote out there. Now, now, by the way, we've entered this realm of the 2020s. There, there was somebody that had a loud mouth that said that he he could crack Segwit or that he had a million Bitcoin he was going to dump on the January 1st, 2020, and the dude was a total liar. So. That that people even believe such a person in the first place is unbelievable to me. I thought the, uh, but, the courier but, but, got stopped in a blizzard, didn't he? Who knows? Who knows what the latest excuse is? But so now that that's out of the way, that Se Segwit isn't getting cracked, and somebody didn't have a million Bitcoin, and you know there wasn't some toilet trust or whatever it was called. Um, there's there's new uh, new fud for this uh, 2020s. We're gonna have to go through some new fud. Eh, and I don't know what your favorite new fud is. Uh, there, they're not enough Bitcoin. We need 42 million Bitcoin. But here's one. Wall Street's increasing paper Bitcoin industry will, will suppress the real Bitcoin price for years to come. Okay, so they're scapegoating Wall Street. They say Wall Street has the ability to print out paper Bitcoin, and that's going to ruin everything, and uh, we should just get out of Bitcoin. Did, uh, Steve, what's your take on that? Uh, can, can Wall Street uh, make paper Bitcoin and suppress the price? Or are we all doomed? <laughs> Uh, you know, I guess there's a lot of people that worry about manipulation. What was it? There was like a theory that, uh, was it backed or one of, one of those, yes. uh, derivative exchanges like that? The whole point of that would be to suppress Bitcoin, right? Um, I've heard it all. Yes. <laughs> I mean, I don't think I'm really qualified to comment, but I, I just, I don't see, uh, Bitcoin doesn't seem to be the kind of asset class that you can, um, easily manipulate, um, I mean, because really to do that, I think you ultimately have to have some kind of control over the the supply. And I don't think they have that control or they have a chance of getting that control. But no, I, I, I certainly wouldn't buy into that garbage. All right. It's garbage to me too. Ansel, what do you think? Well, they, they can manipulate gold and stuff because they own all the gold and it's all locked away. You know, they dig it out of the ground so that they can put it back in the ground. Uh, and... Um, so it, it's 
paper market can very much um, manipulate the gold price, I think. But they, they still have the miners, the gold miners and the Bitcoin miners that um, if the price was manipulated too much down, you know, we wouldn't see this constant increase in hash rate all the time. And um, so I'd, it's very hard to see how the price could be much you know, different than it is right now today through their manipulation. Blake, any any thoughts on a possible Wall Street manipulation in the in the 2020s? Yeah, I mean, I can't remember if I was on a panel with Caitlin Long about this. I think that I was, but now I can't remember. So people are going to go back and they'll be like, you just watched her videos. You were never on a panel with her, which <laughs> may be true. In any case, her her stance on rehypothecation, I think, is really, really uh, interesting. And rehypothecation means when you've got something and you're supposed to be holding it and then you lend it out on the side. Uh, one of the parallels that people draw is that there was like 33 to 1 lending in 2008 when the banks collapsed and stuff like that. It was really hard for the banks to collapse. They thought it wasn't going to happen because they have a lot of control over currency. Just like gold, there's a lot of control involved. So people do things that, you know, that, that they can get away with. They pinch both ends of the system and they go in the middle and they do things that they wouldn't normally be able to get away with. In Bitcoin, it's not very easy to pinch both ends of the system because if you rehypothecate re and the price jumps up a lot you have to be somebody that is important enough to be in charge of that much money and dumb enough to make it so that the rug can be pulled out of you in such a visceral way that you'll go upside down but with enough money you and, and, and you know the backing of the federal reserve i don't want to call this completely and totally impossible so it's a very very interesting thing if they go about this at scale with the full help of the federal reserve and the rug gets pulled out from underneath them. That's also a very interesting scenario to, to, to consider. So we have to think about, are these discrete little bucket shops going to rehypothecate and then die? Or is there going to be this big monolithic effort to do it? And is that going to succeed or is it going to die? Well, I don't see it succeeding. It's a global jurisdiction. That would be really hard to corner for people in the U.S. So the entire thing is very, very interesting. But the way that the incentives are aligned to destroy the system would be so inherently anti-pragmatic that I can't ever see that happening. All right. I think I think ultimately too, like if if they want to, if that's the goal to suppress the price, and I mean the price is a reflection of the utility, I guess you could say, of the network to the people in the network. So I mean, if you want, if you're interested in suppressing the price, uh, you're probably going to need to suppress the utility of the coin somehow. And I mean, if I was them, I'd be looking at you know um, somehow censoring miners or like trying to get majority hash power and actually throwing a wrench in things. Whereas, I don't know, I, I'm, these paper games, I'm not sure how that's going to, if that can do anything, but. I, I got I to gotta say, I don't think, uh, I think we live in a little bubble here in the Bitcoin world and we care a lot about Bitcoin. I, I don't think some of these outside organizations and governments really uh, care that much at this point, as much as we, I mean, maybe one day they will, I don't know, but I, I, I don't see, uh, uh, I don't think I, I don't see people trying to do uh, bad things to Bitcoin. I really don't see it, it, it being a huge threat right now, as some paranoid people think it is. And I think some people are are still are gold, are former gold buggers, and they're they're living in that mentality still of doom and uh, manipulation, et cetera, et cetera. And we're in a whole new realm here. We're we're in the 2020s. So that's a uh, that's my take on it, actually. And I, I, speaking about the 2020s, I want to share a Steve Barber tweet here. I'm really looking forward to the 2020s. It will be the decade where money production moves away from the lazy, negligent hands of central bankers and into the hands of hardworking, competent people such as uh, mechanics, electricians, programmers, and IT professionals. Well, there's a there's a positive take there, uh, Steve. Uh, any I've, any? I've been trying to I've been trying to like 
uh, tweet a bit more bullish sentiment lately. I've been getting a lot of shit for the bear, the bearishness. So, <laughs> well, you, you turned your name into bear bar, bear bar, man. I mean, people are going to be like, you're saying you're a bear in your name now, dude. <laughs> but no, I mean, that's I, I, I'm glad. Do you have anything else to say about that tweet? Anything? Uh, any any sweet well, thoughts there? Yeah, it seems to be true. I mean, even this last decade, it's been, you know, obviously with the rise of Bitcoin, it's been going that way. I mean, those are the, it takes tradespeople to build out mines, um, you know, from, I mean, there's, th those are just a few examples of the tradespeople involved, but there's, there's so many different, you know, skilled individuals in the, let's say the mining supply chain and the whole Bitcoin ecosystem, right? So, yeah, it's just a, it's just an allusion to the fact that Bitcoin is a free market money and as opposed to fiat, which is a captive market money. And I don't see how a captive market money, which basically relies on no competition, is going to compete with this new uh, paradigm. So, uh, Ansel, any uh, 2020 thoughts here? Positive, negative? Uh, what, what are we getting into here? Is, is someone going to is someone going to come and destroy uh, Bitcoin? Are we gonna are we gonna keep on hearing about liars uh, talking about destroying Bitcoin? What's up for the twenty twenties? Well, um, I just had something to respond to Blake there when he was talking about the um, futures market and uh, manipulation. Um, do you remember Peter Fee? He was the um, founder of Interactive Brokers, and he talked about when the CME was just launching. He said this was going to bankrupt the clearinghouse because they were going to have to take the short side and the upside is unlimited. So I think if, if there was really a bunch of manipulation that was going to happen or could happen or, or does happen on a regular basis, that he wouldn't have been as terrified as he was at that time. Um, and that kind of gives you a glimpse, I think, into the, the elites and their mindset. Good point. Uh, Blake, uh, anything uh, you want to add to that there? Well, any anytime people talk about breaking Bitcoin and stuff like that, I think it's always really, really good to go back over what Bitcoin is at a fundamental level. Like hardness and computer science is a real metric. Like it's not like, oh, that's hard. Well, that's a subjective thing. Hardness is how long it takes to do something. So like the hardness of Bitcoin, you can hide something in a mailbox. Boom, you open the mailbox. It's not very hard. Hiding something in one of three, that takes a lot more time to look through. And then when you have the Bitcoin key range of how many mailboxes that is, to be able to track all that information, you'd have to mine all the lustrous material on Earth, make a drive bigger than the planet and then all of the energy ever mined throughout all of human civilization wouldn't be enough to turn it on so that security proposition is great but then people are like well what if somebody guesses my address because they could totally do that and they would have access to my fees or to my funds yes they would they would have you don't have a lock or anything but you do have multi-sig and what are the what are the odds they're going to guess two of these drawers in this monolithic gigantic impossibly huge thing then it's not going to happen and if you think it is then you know three multi-sig and, and and you look at this security system and the math-based security protocol and all this stuff and how they're not biffing the coordinates of where these mailboxes are like the system works in perpetuity you can hide things in this huge data set and it doesn't come back out and people are like that's going to fail really how is that going to fail? I would love to hear how that system that's so incentivized that it would be suicidally anti-pragmatic to interrupt it. How is that system going to be brought down? I don't see a path that leads to that happening. I don't see a path where that can happen. It can be damaged. It can be anti-fragile. It can bounce back from bad news. But systemic failure, I, it's... Uh, I, that's the gold bug victimhood. Yeah, you know, I mean... Get them and they can never get ahead because all the bad guys are so much stronger than they are and stuff. So. <laughs>
But the developers <laughs> hate when I talk about that stuff and then say afterwards that you know s systemic failure is all but impossible because we don't want to say that. But in my estimation, I cannot see how systemic failure would would, would affect Bitcoin. So yeah, in, in the future, I think it's going to continue to be a really, really amazing, powerful force for good. Satoshi wanted to do things that incentivize positive behavior, and he did that so fantastically with the system. It's I, it's unbelievable. I, it's still a fascinating thing to me. Dude, that is why I, I get you on this show, man. People are raving about that one. I love when you get on those little streaks like that. All right, I do. Uh, I want to ask. A, there was a question I had for Ansel that I didn't want. I forgot basically. Uh, people, as the having approaches, they're all the people that say, "Oh, the having this this proof of works." Well, we want proof of stake. Ethereum proof of stake. Hey, what, what's your prediction for proof of stake in the twenty twenties, uh, uh, Ansel? Oh, in the whole decade? Um, <laughs> yes. It, will we still have it at the end of the decade? What, what, well, will people well, the learn the difference between the two? Well, for the coming year, they, it probably won't happen, right? Uh, probably won't happen for four or five years, if ever, on a big scale. Um, I, maybe you're, you're alluding to one of my quotes from the past where I said, Ethereum will never go proof of stake and be over a $1 billion market cap. So I think that could also happen. Like they they could successfully go proof of stake. It would just be a non-event because they're so tiny. Um, I, I think uh, it, it might have a niche use case, but it doesn't have a global network use case in my opinion. All right. Uh, well, since we're talking about mining, Steve Barber, give us an update on, on uh, what, what's the news over there. Uh, okay, well, uh, first of all, I second everything Ansel just said. Proof of stake is fucking really stupid. <laughs> so dumb. I mean, I'm, I'm obviously the as biased as you can get. Um, my business is based on proof of work, right? But yeah. Uh, oh god, that it's just crazy that uh, that you can just. It's like every you can keep delaying this project. You can keep delaying implementing it over and over again. Have no actual working. Uh, you know, proof of stake systems that have any value or any network and keep promising this thing. And like, I, I just can't believe people will take these people seriously. It's well, that, that, that was the big, that was the bigger question. Um, you, you said there's, there's really no proof of stake success at this point. Is it, is it going to go away by the end of the decade? Will people still be trotting this out or will everybody be well, doing altcoins with proof of work or something else pulling out of their butts? I don't know. It's like the, you know, the perpetual, perpetual motion scams, you know, people have talked, if compared proof of stake. It's to a Rube Goldberg machine. Yeah. It's and it's like those, those scammers haven't gone away. Like they just, you know, they're just, they're still out there trying to scam and come up with the next, uh, you know, free, uh, free energy engine and stuff. But it's. Uh, right. Okay. So wait, you're going to give us an update in a second. First, Blake is going to get his take on proof of stake and if it can last, and then you'll give us an update on uh, the mining. But Blake's got something to say about it. I can tell. Oh, sorry, right. I messed up my uh, uh, messed up my screen. I don't know what I'm looking at now, and I'm all confused. But yeah, like it's a Rube Goldberg machine. It's really, really complicated. So anybody that's from the outside isn't likely to come in and debunk proof of stake because you know it takes a lot of understanding to be like, hey, this isn't tenable. Uh, one of the first big proof of stake fights that I got in was with everybody in the community about Steemit. Everybody loves Steemit, and they're like, hey, Steemit. Now I was like, they have minimum staking times and stuff that are like 24 months long and 
I think that uh, Tone and I talked about it for a little bit, and then Tone went on this, you know, was going to yeah. disprove all that. He was going to make sure that he took as much time as was necessary. And oh I still think that that's funny to this day. And one of the better examples of, if you want to know why proof of stake maybe has some big flaws, uh, Tone's criticism of Steam is, is still uh, solid gold. Dude, that's quite a flashback you gave there. Tone got into so it got it, it was it jumped the shark. He argued everyone about Steam it in twenty in the summer of twenty sixteen. I mean, it was like crazy. I mean, it, it was just stretched out so far. The whole this is we're veterans, dude. So it, it, does anybody else remember that? I mean, check out the archives. Check out World Crypto Network archives. It was it was a thing in twenty sixteen. All right, good. Puts a big smile on my face there. Okay, uh, Steve, tell tell us about uh, your. I mean, you're what you're you're saving the word world there. You're turning gas into a big. Am I? <laughs> Supposedly, yeah. I mean, that's what I hear. You're you're saving the Any, world. Yeah, well, anyone anyone monetizing uh, natural gas is doing doing the same thing. Um, what I'm working on recently, um, I got a couple new products. I'm hopefully going to launch. Uh, this month. So they're basically in prototype stage, but one isn't that exciting. It's just another Bitcoin mine. It's a, it's a, it's our megawatt unit. Um, it's, I think people will like it. It's going to be pretty cool and how, like I, how I designed it for managing airflow and it's got some, got some unique features, but frankly, it's not, uh, it's not going to shake the, shake the Bitcoin space by any means, but uh, I think, I think the mining community will hopefully appreciate it, especially the oil field. Um, and then I got another one I'm working on. I'm building it right now. I could probably just walk you out there and show it to you. Um, well, I could do that. Yeah, well, dude, maybe you, you should, maybe you could do that. We'll, we'll have Blake and, uh, Blake and, uh, Ansel talk, uh, their conclusionary remarks and you can, uh, can, can well, you walk outside or like, let's. All right. I'll go out there. It's sort of a, it's a prototype. So it's like a piece of shit right now. All it's right. just like it's the, the first version. All right, you do you do your thing. Start making noise when you when you're ready to show it, uh, Blake. Uh, it, what what else do you you have to say? Uh, we've been here 11 years now, Blake. What uh, any highlights uh, you want to bring up? Anything you're looking forward to? And anything? It's the floor is yours, Blake. Well, I've spent a lot. I've spent a lot of time in the Bitcoin space talking about things that nobody wants to hear things that nobody wants to talk about, things that people don't think are important. And it's kind of weird saying that that's been almost my entire career in the space is talking about things that other people want to avoid. But what I want to talk about is the uh, kind of fabric of society, the fabric of the OSI model, and where negative and positive rights come in and why Bitcoin is so valuable. Not just that it is valuable. I actually don't want bad people to invest a lot of money. I don't care if they do, but you know what I mean? I would rather find somebody that's a good person and explain to them why it's so valuable than find a bad person and have them go, okay, I believe you. I'm still a bad person. Person, let me use it to make money. I want us all to understand, you know, uh, we, we need to go to the future in a, in, in, in a, in a better way, but I'm interested in seeing exactly what this mining setup is. So I'm going to, I want to look at this. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm yeah, quite I mean, All right. Well, I mean, it's, uh, all right. So you can see, right? Yeah. Um, I mean, this is, this is just a cool little project. Cause it's, uh, you know, like my, since I started like doing this stuff, like I've, you know, it's a constant like iteration, right? And I'm always trying to improve, you know, what I, we build. But this like, so this unit, um, it's hard. I'm, I have my laptop, so. Um, well, it's a genset. Like, uh, it looks like a piece of shit because I just went and got an old refurbished one. There's a few new parts on it, but it's overall uh, pretty, some old equipment. But it's like a prototype. So basically, uh, you got the genset on a skid, 
I don't know if you can see what I'm pointing to. Um, but on this section here is basically the Bitcoin mine is going to be built into it. Um, so the cool, the cool thing about this thing is over here, you got like an engine radiator, right? And so that, that's going to be in control of all the airflow. So basically the engine and mine are all in one. I mean, I've done this kind of thing before, but the unique thing, and I've really shrunk it down, like reduced the costs and uh, effectively like the engine does the work of the airflow. So basically it's a pretty cool product when you think about it in that you got power generation and power consumption all in one box. Like it's, it's uh, pretty unique that way. And then I'm just going to like, just so you, these are just more minis. Like uh, the mini product is like the one I've been selling the most of. Like they're, it's uh it's just like a small cube, right? And it's got like a controller. And basically you, we fill this rack up with, uh, you know, ASICs and, um, you know, you can control everything from your phone, uh, network switch and stuff. It's, you know, it's, Show that, show that again. Show that again, but hold the computer just steady. Just don't move the computer. Just like or real close, because it looks like it's. Oh, out. sorry. Yeah. Digitized a bit, and the closer you really There now, I can now I can see what it's made of in there. Yeah, right in there. All right. Say it. Okay. Good. There. So that's like. That's like what our newest product that's like commercialized. Um, so, I mean, like these cubes, just to, they're like four foot cubes. So basically you can, you can stack them like next to each other or too high, for example. So they're meant to be like, uh, you know, if you have a, if a well site and you have a small uh, footprint, then you can like, you can put a lot of power in a small space. Um, very cool. Very cool field trip there. Pound that yeah. like button, people. You never know when you're going to go on the field trip in, in the middle of the show. Thank you for, for showing us all that stuff, Steve. All right. Uh, we are we are definitely reaching the end of the show. Only a few minutes left here. Ansel, your your conclusionary thoughts, anything you wanted to add, anything that was left out. Uh, what's your take on BTC pay server? Uh, I like it. I'm not running an instance of it or anything like that, but uh, I think it's – a great, uh, great software for the space. I need to, um, I have a spare laptop. I need to get all this stuff going on it, but, um, yeah, BTC pay server is great. Other than that, the, my closing comments, uh, happy 2020, happy having year, uh, Bitcoin president presidential election is going to be going on. So people don't pay attention to that regular presidential election that's happening. And yeah, Great to meet uh, um, Steve and Blake. Always a pleasure. And Adam. It's, uh, we've been friends for a long, long time, Ansel. It's been a pleasure. Veterans, baby. I love it. I love bringing the best guest in the freaking space here. Pound that like button, people. All right, uh, Steve, I'll let you have a, a conclusionary thought. Uh, anything you wanted to add? He's linked to below. So if you want to get in a lot of people always want to get in touch with you after these shows. So his Twitter is below. You can DM him, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, anything you got, got to add, Steve? Oh, well, uh, not a lot, I guess. I mean, I, I'm, I'm pretty, uh, I have a pretty positive outlook for this year, like 2020. There's a lot of, you know, obviously even aside from the having and all the uncertainty with that and in the mining space, um, it's going to be interesting to see like 
obviously it seems seems like political uh, tensions are ever ever rising. So we'll see if there is any uh, correlation between you know Bitcoin being a safe haven and uh, what's going on in the world stage. But um, yeah, I, I don't know where we'll be in in by the end of the year for price, but I, I'm I'm hoping we're on a clear uptrend, and that'll be that. That's when things will get really exciting. So. And it was nice to meet you guys as well on on stream. So appreciate you guys having me on. Yeah, thanks for being here. Thanks for being here, Ansel, too. And Blake, thank you very much for making your return. You get the last, you get the final word, Blake. The final word. Oh man, I'm gonna have to encourage everybody to do to do their homework or whatever to to understand the difference between liberties and entitlements, and when somebody has a right, how you know if Smith has a right, Jones has a duty. I think that a lot of us get involved in the left brain computer science of the space, and that's great. That's millimetrical progress that doesn't slow down. We make progress, but understanding the underpinnings of why we're doing these things and what the problems are with the old systems, I think, are huge. Uh, there was two threads today where people were disagreeing in one of them was Eric Voorhees with Nick Zabo, and then um, I believe uh, Adam Back came in and, and weighed in, and then there was another disagreement between Shinobi and Saifedean. So there are there are big splits of people that are really, really, really involved, and I think that a lot of the things that we need to start doing are understanding where we sit in terms of understanding rights versus duties and how to program that into these technologies into the future, because I see Bitcoin as not just a way to make money or like communicate i see it as something that can fundamentally make really 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 big elemental changes and if we treat it like something like that i think that it will rise to be that and i think that if we continue to try to you know only talk about price and pump and dumping and stuff like that eventually there's going to be forks and forks off that try to prioritize those things over the things that i'm talking about and that's not something that i want to see happen so i don't want to fear monger anybody but everybody learning as much as they can and putting their truth out into the world is very 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 important in the Bitcoin space as we decide where are we going to go in the future, collective uh, collectivism empowerment through technology or empowerment of the individual and, uh, you know, liberalism in the future actually living. It's kind of up to us. It's our great war. It's our great depression. And uh, it's kind of a bummer to talk about, but I always want people to talk more about those fundamental philosophical issues that inform us when we make these technologies. Individualism is the accomplishment collectivism is the default don't default it you got to try hard to be an individual these threads that you just alluded to did you retweet any of them? If people go to your uh twitter will they see them or are they gonna they're gonna have to look up those dudes i did Where not was- i think that that i there's nothing that like so if i retweet those things people are going to ask me what i no, okay well then just name name the main guy I'll retweet him. Oh, yeah, you can. so like uh, uh so nick Nabo tweeted and uh eric Voorhees retweeted so if you go to eric Voorhees and you go to his uh tweet, oh, eric. he responded to what nick Zabo said then there's a whole thread there and the um and adam back replies at some point so that yeah, go, go, okay th- that's a good that's a good recommendation there guys go check out eric Voorhees thread eric Voorhees uh twitter feed i definitely do not agree with a lot of the things he says all the time so that, that there's something you'll get some different thoughts that you don't usually get here but you'll. But, but, but in conclusion the reason i didn't retweet it is because uh and eventually i'm going to do a discussion with some other people about this and it's going to take a while there's a lot to uh to discuss so i think that discussing this type of thing on twitter even when you break up your tweets it's kind of like discussing physics theory and hand gestures you don't get you know somebody's voice going up and down or somebody saying you know i understand the way that you feel i don't want to hurt people either but this is the way that things are best 
podcast. I think those conversations fall apart on Twitter very, very quickly, but I think that they're important to have. So very good. It's a deep discussion, people. And that's why Blake's on the show. He brings the deepness here. Okay, everybody, that is the end of the show. Thank you, guest. Thank you, everybody in this chat. Thanks for everything. Hey, we're in a new new, we're in the 20s. It's a new year. Be positive, people. I'm Adam Meister, the Bit- and it's happy 11th birthday, Bitcoin. I'm Adam Meister, the Bitcoin Meister, the Disrupt Meister. Remember to subscribe to this channel, like this video, share this video. Check out the links below. Pound that like button. Bang that bell button. Shabbat shalom. Everybody, new show here every day. I'll be back Saturday night. Uh, we're here every Friday. We got new guests coming to you this year. It is going to be a rocking new year. Okay, check. Bye-bye, everybody. Bye-bye. See ya. Thanks. All right.